What is really special is that I think the world is breaking old rules. And so there is a place for us all to innovate and to try different things and to have a steer in the change. Like it's not all happening to us. We can help affect it as well. And so having access to other people who come at it from a different perspective, I mean, incredible. And I think that's a huge thing that the world has been able to have in the last few years. You know, it comes with its complications. Hello, and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where you'll hear conversations that generate one aha moment after another for you. There is an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows about yet. And the amazing people leading that wave have insights, efforts, and life stories that are changing the future for us all. You will meet them here. And here's the thing, even though they're knee deep in solving some of the world's most pressing problems, what I found is they all still think the future's bright for all of us. Now, (laughs) I don't know about you, with what I see in the news and social media, I need to see what they see. I need to know what they know about getting around obstacles and finding opportunity in every setback and cultivating what we are each uniquely built to contribute because that's what the thought leaders in this wave of goodness and progress are doing. Somehow, they've found what they're uniquely built to contribute. So my name is Dr. Linda Ulrich, and I'm founder of The Goodness Exchange, a global website that's been shining a light on insight and innovation going uncelebrated for almost a decade. The purpose of this podcast will be to put a spring in your step so that you can live with less fear and more joy every single day. And we're going to do that today by talking to an amazing guest, Helen Tricky. Helen is managing partner of The Conspiracy of Love. I know, we're going to have to figure out that overlap between The Conspiracy of Love and The Conspiracy of Goodness. And this is, um, her effort is the world's most inspiring purpose consultancy and a certified B Corp, which I interviewed someone about a month ago. So we're going to explore that wonder too. So Helen oversees the impact at the Conspiracy of Love, and we're going to talk about impact. And she works with the United Nations, consulting about how they talk about the difficult stuff. I know we couldn't get <laughs> we couldn't get a, a better description of it than that way. There's a lot of difficult stuff happening on happening in our world at that level. And Helen consults about that. And in fact, last year, she was the executive producer of the biggest speech that the UN ever created from the General Assembly. This is a thought leader who can talk to us about our everyday lives and our purpose and share what she's learned from a range of experience that just blows my mind. Welcome, Helen Tricky. Oh, thank you. Oh, what a pleasure to be here. What, what an introduction. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, well, I tell you, I, I came across your work and I immediately contacted my producer and said, we have to get this woman on the podcast. This is someone who can share that. You know, we think that people like you are special. <laughs> Do you know that? Like that we're, you're somehow different from us and we're all just regular people outside our little scope of expertise. We're all just regular people. I once met the, the the head of the Mars Rover Project, and he sat in my Airbnb living room for an entire evening with his big toe sticking out because I made all the guests take off their, their socks, their shoes, because it was raining outside and I wanted to protect my Airbnb reputation. But, you know, I learned that night he was an amazing man, but he had this air of expertise, and outside of that, 
He's just like you and I. So I really want you to share with us what you've learned from the scope of this, this big work you're doing that can affect our daily lives and help us make leaps that you see, I think, are so possible. Amazing. Well, thank you for, for having me is the first thing. You know, it's an honor to be part of this conspiracy that you're creating um, out in the world. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, I am, I'm involved in my own conspiracy and I think we're all part of the larger conspiracy, which is all around um, uh, using purpose and using love and using for us for business um, to actually make change in the world, which is really exciting. And yes, I do work with the UN as well. So happy to talk a bit about that. So let's just start uh, just just to kind of weave the story together. You know, I came across the this story called The Conspiracy of Goodness. It's a story from World War II that, well, when, when a thought leader I was interviewing told me the story, I was just rooted to the ground. I knew that what we'd been seeing and curating from the internet, all this, this goodness and progress that no one knows about, I knew that that was the same story as the story from World War II called The Conspiracy of Goodness. But tell me how you came up with your conspiracy of love. Good question. So I should probably first shout out. So we've got two incredible founders of the business, um, a guy called Afdel Aziz, and then we have Bobby Jones. And Afdel and Bobby have their own incredible stories of what purpose means to them and why they came to you know, get involved and actually set up a company like this. So Conspiracy of Love, the official kind of line is that obviously we're all part of this conspiracy trying to make the world better. And we really do believe it's possible. Uh, the unofficial line, I think after I wanted to call his like band Conspiracy of Love at some point, and he thought this was a great time to uh, to use that name for something that he was actually going to be doing. So that's where Conspiracy came. And then what we do is uh, work with people all over the world, ultimately to make the world a better place. Um, and that's really exciting because it means I get to meet lots of different incredible people who have their different zones of genius and their different ways that they, they bring special talents, I suppose, and special thinking to helping making that happen. So there's something to the kind of persons that would embrace the the word conspiracy in, in our times, that would find a way to flip it on its head and say, okay, that all that craziness is going on out there, all the conspiracy theories in the world. Okay, if that can be, then this can too. So tell me, tell me what you see at the highest level of this, you know, what the theme of our, our, our conversation is going to be today are these seven steps to designing your impact. But I, I think there's something about how we operate as individuals and how we operate as a kind of a conspiracy <laughs> for goodness and love yeah. um, that, that is intertwined. It's not just about us as individuals. Talk to me about the word impact, because I think that you talk about it on both a big scale and a individual scale, right? Yeah. So um, impact something that I think we're all learning. We're all learning what it is, because I think we all come with our own different experiences and our own different intentions. And intention is one thing, but actually what is the impact of that intention is another. And, you know, my sister is a teacher and she has actually done impact and intention training. Like what, what are those two things and how do they work together? So for me, it's about what is the mark that you're making on the world? And, and, and my job is really looking at what do brands do to make their mark on the world? What do companies do? And what I thought would be fun to talk about today is what I've learned through what companies are doing and how we're helping companies and how I've applied that in my own personal life because that in of itself is a journey and that kind of you know I affect people around me and I want to do I want it to be a better place I want the world to be more enjoyable I want people to uh, be able to fulfill their own potential and so it's about yeah what is my personal impact but having learned from working with like companies and brands about what their impact is as well. Perfect 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 let's start with this topic of your 
what's your purpose? Your and you t- you call it your GPS. Talk to us about. Yeah, that. I love this topic. So, uh, what conspiracy of love does is uh, we take people, we take brands through steps. How do you actually find your purpose, and then how do you take that out into the world? And so, one of the things we do, um, and I have to give shout out to um, a guy called True Pedigree, who's a coach to some of the people in in the team, um, and he's really come up with this thinking around GPS. And I wanted to talk a little bit about my own exo- my own GPS because I've been on a journey. I think all of us have been on the journey over the last couple of years. And what is it about my purpose and what I would like to do? And I think understanding that, that's my North Star. That's the thing that, you know, I have to kind of keep myself in check. Am I really happy? Am I working towards this? So GPS uh, stands for gifts. It stands for passions and it stands for service in our world. <laughs> what are those? Uh, what are your gifts? Um, what are the things that make you particularly special as a human being? What are your passions? What are the things that get you out of bed? And I'm not necessarily talking about playing the piano really well, but what are the things in the world that you really want to help affect change? And then how do you use those two, two things to be of service? And I actually was getting coached by Af, who's on our team uh, chief purpose officer on our team. And he asked me, um, I can't remember what it was, maybe six months ago, to speak to friends about what my gifts were. And I had to send out a, a note and say, hi guys, <laughs> just doing a bit of an exercise, just trying to work out what my gifts are. Could you please let me know what you think? Um, and I say friends, it was colleagues, it was friends, it was people that I'm close to. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very British about this stuff. It's not the kind of thing I do naturally. I think women don't do that kind of thing naturally either. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a, a fun and interesting time. I've actually noted a few points down. I, I went back through my notes and, and people came back and said, you know, you're, uh, again, weird to be talking about myself like this, but uh, you're, you're fun and sparkly. Like you just bring energy into a room and that, that you know, that's a, a great thing to hear. But then they started talking about real kind of deep gritty stuff, like the tenacity, bravery, all these kind of things that, um, I mean, I love to hear people saying that about me. It's incredible. But actually to know that that's the impact I'm having in the world. That that was big. And so, yeah, gifts, gifts is the first thing to really understand. And then passions for me, my passions live in people. I just really like people. (laughs) Um, And I'm not going to sit here and say one specific group of people over another. I love to kind of facilitate and create an area where people can live their best lives and do their best, best things. And so a passion for me is, is really about people and kind of providing a space for people to, to grow and to do great things. I mean, my sister's a teacher. You probably see, we probably have quite a lot <laughs> in common. Um, and then service, how can I be of service? So I think for me, it's about empathy, understanding people, facilitating an amazing place for them to, to grow and to be helped. And then bringing all the kind of bravery, tenacity, um, pushing people. Like I, I am someone who likes to push for the best. And so to be of service for me, it's about, we came up with this lovely, funny old phrase, sparking a more revolution, like sparking that kind of joy, that passion in other people that they want to go on. And that's what you're doing as well. It's the conspiracy. <laughs> and, and I've heard someone else use this phrasing, but I love that because I also on the side, I'm a semi-qualified pyrotechnician. I've, I've, I started working towards my fireworks license. <laughs> And so sparkle and spark and all these kind of, that's what I like to do, like light mini fires, go around and light mini fires in other people. And that's, yeah, that's really my GPS. That's my purpose. Oh my gosh. That is just such a great way to look at what you're uniquely built to contribute. You heard me mention that in the introduction. I've come across this, this notion, I'd love you to comment on it, that as I watch more and more and more in the news, this thing called the great resignation being talked about, what did it start out being called? The great something. 
anyway, whatever. I think we've landed on the Great Resignation. But people may have heard about this. You know, more and more people are looking around their workplace and going, whoa, I can do better. Yeah. That's the bottom line, isn't it? You know, 100%. People, yeah. people with good intention are working for managers who don't have any leadership training, might have good intention also, but they're ill-equipped to face the challenges of being a leader. And that's that's on upper management as far as I'm concerned is not yeah. giving people training to handle the responsibilities, which we all know leadership's <laughs> about as hard as you can do in a family or a small business or a big corporation, right? But my point is, is that I'd love for you to comment on how this sparking a moral revolution is sort of tied in to this, the, the, these notions that we're all looking around us in our businesses and saying, I can do better. Because yeah. I think that that comes back to our own moral compass, our own values. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, you and I have, have kind of briefly talked before, and I think there's a really something really special about knowing, especially off the back of the pandemic, you're here to live your best life. And, and I think relationships are key and part of that. And actually turning up to work every day, you're spending a lot of hours in your workplace. And so I, I've got a kind of a mental rule and, you know, it's not easy and it's not something I can follow every single day with every single person, but there's kind of something inside me that says, you know, life's short. This is actually the anniversary of my dad's death today he's been passed for 10 years and that was a really sobering moment where I realized life is too short and I know we all say it and we all know it especially recently but are you bringing the best out in other people and are they bringing the best out in you and I think that applies to the workplace as well because you don't this is not a rehearsal you don't get a do-over this is this is our one-time only shot so I think when it comes to the great resignation people are realizing that they're realizing that for two years they've been locked away at home they've not been able to see their loved ones and so GPS is something that's come up in conversation when I you know Thanksgiving I was hanging out with my friend's son recent college grad and he had no idea what he wanted to be doing and so we started talking about GPS, like how do you want to be of service and that I think the service point relates to work how do you want to be of service in your work because we all have incredible talents we all have things that we can bring to the table and the world needs it so yeah starting to become familiar with that and understand that I think could be really yeah. useful I think it could be have considered before the pandemic a luxury Yes, yes. To be able to think like this. And now (laughs) the needle is completely moved. Did you hear that that research from Accenture? I think it was. I think that's a big consulting firm. They found that 50% of people will say that the pandemic has transformed their priorities. Yeah. I mean, there was um, talking about the great resignation. I think Microsoft came out with some research saying around about uh, 50% were looking to leave their jobs in the next year. I mean, I don't know how many will, but I, I totally understand that. Like, I think it gave us all space to think didn't it um and I think people reconnected with who they are even if not consciously I think subconsciously people start giving space and actually uh, it's it's so essential so it's a really exciting time as much as it's been horrific and it's been horrible and I, I don't you know I'm very privileged in that I can talk about it with with a level of like energy because I can see you know for me the future is really exciting but I, I know people are healing people are grieving and we have come out of a big time but I think for the world generally speaking this is a, a, a big moment where we all start understanding what's important. This is a great thing, a great moment to just take a little sidestep because this is so helpful. I have already used something you turned me on to. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've used it. Oh, I got goosebumps. I, I've used it three times since you turned me on to it. Because there are people that are healing and grieving. Like a thought leader I interviewed yesterday, Oliver Berkman, he reminded us that we all suffered some kind of loss. It's very rare 
to meet someone who didn't lose something with the pandemic. There are people whose lives just went on. Somehow they were lucky, organized in such a way that almost everybody lost a future mm-hmm. that they hoped for in some way with some relative or some job prospect or some goal or whatever. Okay. So talk to us about this incredible little share that you gave me. It's about, because I think it'd be helpful for people who are either grieving something they lost or they know someone who's way out of sorts because of the loss and grief in the pandemic. The Brene Brown video about the difference between empathy and sympathy. Give people a little insight like you you did me because (laughs) you can put this in the show notes too. I've already used it four times. It's great. It's a, it's, I mean, everyone loves Brené. Let's, let's start with that. What a woman, you know, she knows her stuff. And actually quite a long time ago, I think eight years ago, she recorded a film talking about sympathy versus empathy and sympathy being the thing that you, you look at someone from a distance, you feel sorry for them. You're, you know, you got, you kind of, you put those signals out there saying, Oh, I, you know, I know you're going through a tough time. You'll be fine. <laughs> Good luck with it. All that stuff. But actually, what, what are people going to do with that? And I've been through it myself. Like, thanks. That's really nice for you text but like I'm not sure what to do with this information and you trying to kind of positive me out of this is is definitely not helping and so she talks about actually the skill of empathy which I think the world could do a lot more of which is um, I love it there's a, a visual that she shares but it's about kind of crawling down in the hole with the person that's there and being there and giving space to them and giving space to their emotions and not trying to kind of positive your way out of it or tell them you know it's, it's this direction this direction it's actually just as I said yeah letting them process being there and I I think that's you know you said goosebumps i've got goosebumps thinking about it everyone should watch this film but i think it's, it's a really short right it's oh, super- yeah like two or three minutes yeah and the one i found which i am going to put in the show notes i don't know if it's pirated and then uh, then done over or she advocated for this one but the one i stumbled onto is this incredible cartoon oh with yeah the, the bear and the fox <laughs> yeah <laughs> and there's this moment which i saw myself in where the bear is looking down into the person in the hole and he's eating a sandwich saying hey how are you doing down there you know everything's really way better than you think and eating a sandwich you know and oh how many times have i done that because i'm such a positive person that i do do exactly what you just said i try and positive people's way out of the darkness and it's such a bad strategy and i think comparison as well is um there's a saying comparison is the thief of joy but i think people with sympathy quite often i used to do it well you know it might be bad there, but like, look at all these people. They've got it way worse off. Like, think about that. I'll make you feel better. <laughs> and actually, no, <laughs> like these are such different situations and um, actually kind of allowing that people to, to feel, and you know, in the context of their life, I think, yeah, it's huge. Well, okay. So we did a little side, but that is a super <laughs> useful, helpful, practical tip. And of course, we're going to, through this entire interview, talk about practical th- ways that we can actually use Ellen's Helen's insights in a way that we can start today living different, living with less fear and more joy. So Ellen, in our recall, we talked about four things that I don't want to miss, and we can take as long as we want on each of them. But you talked about who you are with, who brings out the best self, and you told some great stories about you know, this pandemic has, it gives us an opportunity because we have social distance to pick up where we left off or maybe decide that we need to make a shift. So talk to us about how important, who are we with is. Yeah. So um, we use a principle at Conspiracy called find your allies. And I think on a personal note, it's that, and then it goes deeper than that. Who are the people that are going to, who are going to come in alongside you, but who are the people that are going to lift you up? And for me, I have an incredible group of friends. They're my people. But 
I think it's, again, going back to my dad passing away, it's become increasingly obvious that there's a world where we're not all meant to be helping each other. You know, that let's let's find the people that really do care about the same things and want to lift you up because there's, as, there's enough people to go around. And I think I'm quite happy to say that, you know, I, I do a lot of therapy and I love my therapist. And one of the best things she said to me was, you need to start thinking about people as flavors, right? So um, especially when it comes to things like dating, when it comes to things like friends, even just in life, it's not necessarily that I'm rejecting you. I don't like you. It's just my flavor is strawberry. Your flavor is vanilla. You know, we all have different flavors. And I think understanding what your flavor is and where your energy is coming from. And I'm talking, I have to admit, I'm talking about this as an extrovert. I love people. So I do like a lot of different flavors, but um, I think that's really important. And then the other part of it is going back to what I was talking about earlier about those people, your flavor people bringing out your best self. And I think we've all had time to think about things over the pandemic, but we also all went through quite a difficult time. And I remember saying like, I've never been accustomed to all of us being pretty low at the same time. Like that's hard. That's where burnout comes from. And so I think also being, and again, there's a privilege in this because actually being able to kind of get away from people or kind of, you know, sever ties if needed. I have a personal example of, you know, I was engaged. I was engaged to be married and I was sitting in a cafe with a friend a few months before and they said, are you bringing the best out in your fiance and are they bringing the best out in you? And I, (laughs) that hit hard because it spoke to my point about, you know, living life and making sure you're doing the best job. And this is not a rehearsal. It hit hard as well because it was my advice to him a few months before. So I was like, hang on, are you using my own advice on myself? But it actually, it's such a a huge thing. And actually I wasn't bringing the best out in my fiance and and likewise uh, for him. And I think being brave enough to say this isn't right, even though, Uh, the world would expect us to probably walk down that aisle and go forward and do all the things that everyone's expected to do after that. No, it didn't happen. And I think I'm proof that you can recover from those things, but I think my life is better and I'm sure his is too, um, as a result of actually saying, you know, we're not bringing the best out in each other and life's too short. Why would we do that? And if you can do it at at that level, I think kudos, and I'm, I'm probably going on a bit of a tangent, but you know, a lot of people used to think about divorce as the ultimate failure. And I just think in the context of my own lived experience, these are people that realized that actually there's a world where they wanted to try something different. And you, everyone's got very different ideals about marriage and how it works. But all I would say is um, I think we have to look at failure and breaking things up and stopping things a bit differently these days. I totally do, too. That is one of the major positive positives so many negatives but one of the major positives if we if we use it in our lives that to come out of the pandemic is that we give we 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 have the choice about what we give our attention to and if we give our attention if we find ourselves giving our attention over and over again to the flaws in others that's a choice and maybe we're with someone in life or we're partnered that's a close fit but not the best fit because I do believe that it's it's okay to just recognize, oh, we're such a close fit, but not the best fit, right? And and our life is so precious and so short that I think I think the pandemic's giving us a permission to go look for the best fit. We were we may have been settling in bosses, in building our teams, in who we hire, who we fire, who we who we exercise with. We may have been settling. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I think the one thing 
I like to to do is uh, hold myself accountable to that. Like, you know, like you do know in your stomach, like if you listen to yourself, well, I, I believe that everyone kind of knows if they listen to themselves. And the thing that um, I think helps is a litmus test I have for myself, which is speak to your ten, yourself in 10 years time. Like, what does that person say back to you? <laughs> and that suddenly becomes quite scary because if I've got to look myself in the eye in 10 years time, <laughs> knowing what I know, am I going to listen to what's in my inside or am I not? I think that, yeah, that's the ultimate. It's not about how you're accountable to other people. It's about being accountable to yourself. Exactly. Okay. So this is a, a great little spot to talk about. I'll just dive a little bit deeper into finding your allies. I think that's such a huge, if, you, if some, somebody remembers nothing else from this podcast, like looking around you and saying, who are your allies? You know, where is the genius all around you? You say, I love that. Talk to us about that. Should we expect our, our families to be allies? What should we, what kind of Ooh, expectation? Good question. So I don't think you should, I mean, on the macro, I think you, as, as you get older, I think there's a privilege in understanding who the people are that bring out the best in you and, and where people's passion points are that you can get on board with. I don't necessarily think family has to play that role. And again, I, I'm, I'm speaking about this in terms of, I am very much, you know, I believe in marriage. I believe in family. I believe in all these kind of things that we've grown up with and we understand and, you know, the stability of all those things for a lot of people. But I think equally, you don't need to expect your family to, you know, do everything and that they don't have the same experiences. And so in terms of finding your allies, I know some people can have difficult relationships with their families. They can have different dynamics. I think especially now it's such a fractured world. There's blended families. There's, um, you know, all the, all the different types of families. There's people who uh, live together that aren't related by blood, you know, all these different things. And so I think expecting your family to be the core rock for everything you're doing isn't necessarily what you need to do. It's an option for some. But yeah, in terms of allies, for me, I think it's about, for me personally, it's about the people that make my world bigger. My allies are the people I can learn from. They're the people that I can just uh, listen to, sit in a room and listen to for forever. They're the people that challenge me as well. And I think that's super, super important. I might not like it at the time, uh, but actually they are my allies. They're the people holding me responsible for my own decisions and my own thinking. So yeah, I would say that's where I find my allies. And are you finding, I, I don't know why, but I think after the pandemic, we're all a lot more tolerant of the people who don't think like us. I think we've, the pandemic has somehow made us feel connected to even people we disagree with a lot. Mm -hmm. It is a point of connection. We know that nobody escaped the whole thing. And I find that I'm starting to recognize genius in people who I might not like, I might not want to go out to dinner with, all that stuff. I'm a lot more open to yeah. the, the the insights of others who I don't necessarily like. You know, that's the best way to say it, who I wouldn't go out to dinner with. But boy, I'm looking so hard for genius around me. I'll take it from an enemy if they've got it. Oh, yeah. I think respect is huge. Like, You don't have to like someone to respect them. And I think there are so many different, especially today, what I... What is really special is that I think the world is breaking old rules. And so there is a place for us all to innovate and to try different things and to have a steer in the change. Like it's not all happening to us. We can help affect it as well. And so having access to other people who come at it from a different perspective, I mean, incredible. And I think that's a huge thing that the world has been able to have in the last few years. You know, it comes with its complications, but... <laughs> Well, and doesn't the whole diversity movement 
point to something that's like, why wouldn't, why would we all embrace diversity instantly tomorrow? As we're looking for answers, we're going to not find them only with the people that are just like us. We're going to find them by collaborating and bringing ideas into the mix that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The thing I'd say about that is um, I've been, I've been lucky to be in very diverse teams for many, many years. And I think what we need to do is not end at the point of, okay, well, there's lots of different brains here. Like it takes time to listen and to understand. And and that's the bit I I find really powerful is once you actually can understand where someone else is coming from and spend that time. I've been in situations where lots of different diverse brains come together and it's nice in principle, but it hasn't kind of turned out. So actually giving yourself a bit of space to understand each other, evolve and the thinking, I think that's, that's super important. Super. That, uh, yeah. I, I think we're just cracking open a bunch of new ways for people to think here going forward. I wish I could dive into every single one of these concepts. Let's shift just a little bit here. We're going to take a break and when we come back, we're going to talk about what are the problems you want to insert yourself into? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, the this uh, fellow I interviewed yesterday, Oliver Berkman, he pointed out that, you know, just one trip to the news, if you're an empathetic, caring person, is going to make you just go, oh, my God, I, I could give money to this thing, or I could volunteer for that thing, or I could write a letter to a congressman about that. I mean, it's easy to get overwhelmed. And you have some great advice about deciding what problems you want to solve and insert yourself into. So let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to give people some practical tips on how to find meaning and and, uh, all kinds of new things about possibility around us. Dr. Linda here. If you are hoping the world is a lot better than what we see on the news and social media, and if you've been overwhelmed by the misery and negativity coming from the screens in your life, I've got a wonderful connection for you. What I've learned after almost a decade of curating the internet for insight and innovation is that there is an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows about yet. And that's what led me to create this podcast. And then I co-founded The Goodness Exchange. The Goodness Exchange is an amazing place on the internet now where you can enjoy unlimited access to hundreds of articles that give you a more complete, positive perspective about the state of the world. You can listen to exclusive bonus content from this podcast with our guests who are knee-deep in solving some of the world's most vexing problems, and yet they still think the future is bright. We need to know what they know. And at the Goodness Exchange, you can explore a feed of exclusively good news and recommended other kinds of content created by the Goodness Exchange community. No one with good ideas and good intentions need feel alone again. You are right to hold out hope for humanity. Millions of people are out there creating a better world, and we have created a gathering place for all that wonder. Who knows what's possible now that there's a place on the internet created to bring out our best impulses and our collective genius. To explore the home for goodness on the internet, visit goodness-exchange.com backslash membership. Thanks. Okay, we're back. So here we are with Helen Tricky. Helen is an expert in, what would you say you're an expert in? <laughs> Got so many hats. <laughs> um, purpose and impact is where, where I, uh, you know, I love to be. Okay, all right. And that goes along with stuff with the UN and all kinds of stuff. Purpose and impact. Okay, and that's a lot of what many of us have come out of the pandemic wanting. When we say to ourselves, can I just 
go and do what I'm doing now for the next 10 years? What does that even look like? A lot of us are answering a definitive no. <laughs> and we're and this word purpose is going to seem very fluffy and sort of overused, but I I've, I've been searching for a better word and I, I don't I haven't come up with one yet. So talk to us about, you know, finding purpose. A, a, let's just call it a path that feels meaningful. Talk to us about deciding the problems you want to solve or insert yourself into. This is a great question. I think it goes back to me about what you're passionate about the most. And sit down, take, like, have a think. Is it, is it about, for me, it's, there's a scale thing and there's a close by thing. Like it's about my everyday and there's also how do I impact lots of people. But is it about your community? Is it you want to help locally with local kids is it about you know I think it's, it's quite okay to sit down and have a bit of a brainstorm about what you're passionate about because you don't have to be all things to all people and actually spreading yourself so thin probably won't have a huge amount of impact so sitting there and, and working that out and then look at your gifts go back to your gifts and decide how do I use those to be of service in the best way because it might be that you're not a people person. You'd rather sit at home, but you can write letters to your local politician or you can get involved in operations with a charity or there's lots of different things that you can do kind of lean into those things. So yeah, I think for me, it's about giving it space, have a bit of a brainstorm, speak to friends and then really have a think about where your gifts sit within that as well. You talk about leading with the cool. <laughs> I do. I love this one. Um, so this is a conspiracy, our con little conspiracy or big conspiracy now. But um, we talk about the kind of messages out there and, and getting people excited. And so cool things, kind of thinking about what inspires you. Usually, you know, for me, it comes a lot from culture. It comes a lot from reading, from listening to things. And so, yeah, I, I think there's definitely a space to lean into that stuff and lean into stuff that inspires you. I've got a favorite charity. So from my perspective, my favorite charity is called Choose Love and they're a global charity, but they started in the UK. Choose Love is like my charity. Like I love the brand. I love what they do. They um, work with refugees. And uh, this is one of one yeah. of the... Uh... <laughs> your t-shirt. I'm glad you wore it because I wanted to ask you about your t-shirt. <laughs> I wore that t-shirt on our pre-call. So talk to us about Choose Love, why it's your favorite charity and talk to us about the t-shirt the reactions you get from people. I love that part of the story. So, uh, I mean, I don't just have the t-shirt. I have the uh, the artwork. I have the necklace. I, you know, it's my thing. And it's because um, I think what Choose Love do really well is they work with refugees or they they provide money to local nonprofits who work with refugees. And one of their model, the way they raise money or one of the ways they raise money is that you can walk into a store and buy various different things, but never for yourself. You buy them for someone else. And so it's a really, really interesting model in terms of, you know, my Christmas gift a couple of years ago from my sister was a tent but it wasn't a tent for me it was a tent for someone else and so yeah choose love for me I mean those two words those two words is what I'm about I think and that's the thing that I gravitated towards but I was yeah I wear this t-shirt often I have a few different versions and I was walking through LAX at Thanksgiving and I was in such a grotty mood I was I mean, I had a mask on and I Ooh. felt hot and nothing. Oh God. And then you've got to get on an air on an airplane with all these people and the pandemic and I'm quite jet lagged, all these different things. And I was walking through LAX and this guy was walking past me and said, nice t-shirt. I was like, huh. Hmm. And then I kept walking and then another person was like, I really like your t-shirt. And then 
I'm walking along again. And then a third person who's like sitting at the gate was like, oh, great T-shirt. And the third person, you know, I can get to talk to that person and say, this is what it's about. And I think, you know, I've got it pretty big letters uh, written here. But I, I don't you have to sit back. Can you sit back to show your T-shirt? Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very perfect. Yeah. yeah definitely. <laughs> Good. Um, but yeah, and, and, it, and you know, those connections came from this T-shirt and that was so unexpected. And I was not inviting those at the time, I didn't think. But uh, yeah, I think really exciting. <laughs> well, that's something you and I talked about in our very first meeting. Talk about it because I think this is part of the joy of, of living like you're proposing we could live is that you recognize people like you across a crowded room. Yeah, it's I'm still trying to work out how that works. It's not something I think everybody can do. But I uh, in my first job, my first ever boss, when I left, we had an exit interview and we went out for a coffee and he said, uh, you've got this skill where you can work out in a room who who the decision makers are or who the people that are going to change things and he was like that's amazing keep that and this was many many years ago and I I had no idea what he was talking about but actually walking into a room I think there's something some people have it I think instinctively but I think there's definitely merit if you're walking into a room with a load of people to just take a moment to decide who do you want to be talking to because you don't have to go in and talk to everybody and actually it's so cool when you do actually find a connection and it could be the most unlikely person but yeah I, I think yeah that's de- probably one of my more intangible superpowers. <laughs> you know, what I loved about your, oh, I, and I love that concept of finding your intangible superpowers. I'm sure that, that some of what you know about yourself came from that great exercise of just literally asking people to help you identify your gifts. I don't want to scoot over that. That takes some courage. You, everyone should do it. Honestly, we do it with people through work. And I was always watching other people go through it and thinking, wow, yeah, that's cool. Like, that's cool that they got to do that. And And then I was asked to do it. And it does take courage, but the return on that is next level because you're seen. You feel, I felt really seen. I felt like people saw me. They saw what was special in me. And I would say, if you only do one thing off the back of listening to this, go and speak to your friends, ask them what your gifts are and see what they've got to say, because yeah, it's, it's a game changer. Lovely. I find that in moments like that, through my, my, my years and years talking to patients, a quick tip about that is to be vulnerable first. Like when you have to do something that you want other, because it, it, it is a, a little bit of vulnerability to tell your good friend what their gifts are because it can be like it can be a way of sort of implying that they're not a whole bunch of other things. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a, an amazing tip for life generally. I yeah. don't think and and this is a m- much much more Brené thing than uh, my thing but you know Brené talks about vulnerability and setting the scene and setting the tone for that. And again, I think that's a learned thing. I don't think that's necessarily something that we're all especially in this crazy world like to be vulnerable when there's so much being flung at you from all sides, that is where the bravery is, definitely. Yeah, I found that I, I've never asked a patient about their weight, their age, their meds without without commenting on my weight, age, or meds first. Yeah. And then the conversation flows on. So that's just a little side trip into vulnerability that, that I think could be helpful for people. But here's what I really want to point out that you've been talking about for the last five minutes. I think it's this doing things that invite like-minded people to connect with us. Like your t-shirt invites like-minded people to connect with you, right? Like what else is there to do that invites like-minded people to connect with us? Sort of sends a signal. 
I mean, the t-shirt's the easiest thing. So that, that for the people that uh, think, you know, what baby steps, I think there are things like, uh, I mean, I've just joined a WhatsApp group with 150 women and it's amazing. <laughs> and, and it's through a club here in London, but these women are talking about how they're making an impact. These things exist. It's incredible. Watching these groups are everywhere. I'm learning this too, that if you want to find like-minded people, there's never been a better time to do that. And I'm talking about positive long uh, like-minded people, because there's certainly no end to the people who are railing about what they're against. Yeah. But I think it's more empowering to talk about what we're for. And what we're winning, the winning. The, yes, I love that. I love the values, like love and trust and, and making a difference. And I think it was a conversation we were having this week actually at work was the world needs to feel like it's winning. We need to feel like we're winning. We can't, <laughs> you can't fight every single day. It's ex- <laughs> and so find those people that make you feel like you're winning. <laughs> Because that, I think that's, again, we're in it for the long run, aren't we? No one's planning on not being around tomorrow. So let's set up our lives so that we have got that energy coming in and those people around us. That's lovely. That is absolutely lovely thought. Find those people who make you feel like you're winning. That's precious. (laughs) Okay. And that would lead to the next topic that I wanted to ask you about. You talk about who are the change makers? Like how, and you know, I always talk about giving, let's start giving our attention to the thoughtful, measured, helpful voices. Yeah, I think this is a an interesting time because there's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of people putting their opinion out there. And as someone who you talked about it at the beginning, like my natural role is as a producer and often a producer is heroing the other people. And so uh, I wrote down this Instagram post that one of my friends posted, uh, the planet doesn't need more successful people. It needs more peacemakers, more healers. It needs storytellers. It needs lovers of all kinds. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, it does. (laughs) Like these are the people actually creating actionable difference. And we need inspiration as well. I don't think it's one or the other, but I do think we need to provide more space for the people that are actually taking their time and are creating that peace, are creating that connection, because those things are quite hard to talk about, but they're the things that make a huge difference. I believe there's a sea change coming. I cannot pass through a day when really good, smart, very curious people don't tell me they've turned off the news entirely. And I've never been an advocate. You might think I would have been, you know, curating the internet for good news, but I've never been an advocate for tuning out the news uh, because I don't think, (laughs) I don't think being less smart about the things happening in the world is going to help us make better decisions or less aware, right? But there's definitely, you know, a minimum, a medium ground where you at least I, I hit the highlights. I either go BBC or NPR for 15 minutes a day at a I certain time. Yeah, <laughs> I do both. I do I do NPR driving into work and I do BBC coming home. It's a 15-minute drive. I get my half hour. I figure if, if they don't mention it in that half hour, right at these two prime times, then it's not that big. But <laughs> that's a little a little nice practical tip for people. But by tuning what we don't like out and the craziness out, that's one way of making your click a vote. You know, I'm always advocating that we can control the our incoming on the internet by just not giving our attention to any negative comment, period. And our algorithms pick right up on that and they stop serving us that. Yeah. So I love I you sharing it. this Instagram post with us because here's the thing. That is, that is a powerful thing. You sent it to me. We'll put it in the show notes so people can see it. It's a nice graphic. But, you know, if we share this stuff, if enough of us share this, that is what will rise to the top in our online lives. 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I you, think you can follow like there's some practical things like on my Instagram, I actually have I follow like certain hashtags. So things that so living with purpose, for example, and that might not be the right hashtag for everyone, but it actually just pulls all that kind of stuff out and puts it in my feed. And so actually being able to follow the positive stuff that I've chosen to opt into. Oh, it's a much nicer experience. Well, we can't go go here without talking about the ripple effect. People are the best media, you said how to make other people share the good stories and and each other's good stories. So talk to me about the ripple effect and how that falls into the conspiracy of love and your ideas. So I think influence is still a huge thing and actually empowering people to be able to tell your story and pass on what you care about is, is, is huge. So I don't think we can, none of us can create change by ourselves and actually having a community of people is, is huge. That's the conspiracy, right? That's the philosophy of, of what a conspiracy is. Um, and I think for me, it's about surrounding myself with people, not only who push me, who make me better, but also who can take what we have off our collective thinking and spread that to the next set of people, the next generation, the next, you know, group. And that is, I think that's probably another another superpower of us kind of producer types, people who actually think about things not only as, you know, an idea, but how do we actually make this idea happen, turning the thoughts into action. And I think especially women out there who know how to kind of mobilize communities, who know how to, I've seen it, I've seen it live. There's so many women out there who are able to just, you know, bring together the mums at the school or uh, bring together the church group or all these different kind of communities. I think Don't be scared of the ripple effect of those communities and what they can do. And make no mistake, we're not talking about captains of industry stuff. We're talking about pride in place. I've noticed, I've noticed interview after interview I've done, so many people are pointing to the fact that all good change that we're going through right now will start local. Mm, Yeah. If you are that person who says, ah, I hate this police against the world back and forth. I want to plant flowers in front of our police station. If you're that person, then you can go on social media and say, hey, anybody want to be a bridge in this gap and join me planting flowers on Saturday morning? We're talking about everything from that sort of thing to mobilizing your work team to do something cool in your community, right? Like this is whatever makes our heart sore and employs our gifts. Yeah, hundred percent. And we have a um, it, actually Stephen Spielberg talks about it. He talks about dreaming big but acting small. And I think there's something really nice. I've definitely bastardized his what he's actually said, but the, the principle is dream big. Think about all those big things that you want to ch- change because you know your imagination can run run wild, and, and why not? But as you say, change happens at the smaller, more personal level. And so you need, I I love the combination of those two things, that kind of mega ambition and scale. Oh my word, like what's possible? But actually it's us and this little small group of people that are starting to make that happen. And if we all did that, think think about what is possible. I just look at it like a starry sky with just wonder. And that's that's the essence of the website at the Goodness Exchange. It is that we are looking at all the people we meet and that we write about and that we that we're interviewing and all the people in the community there at the Goodness Exchange and saying, okay, we are all just little independent points of light out there doing good until we come together with each other, until we start forming clumps. And you know, that's how stars are formed. It's trillions of, of tiny particles that eventually come together. And that's what a star is that burns with billions of megatons of, of energy for eons. Yeah, I love that. Amazing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so beautiful. 
so exciting. Yeah, it, the possibilities are unbelievable here. Okay, as we wrap up here, Helen, I want you to talk to us about next steps. So people are going to go away from this interview and they're going to be like, fired up. I, you know, I want a t-shirt about something that connects me to others and announces what, what I'm for and all this stuff. And I want to leave a life of purpose. And what's next? What do we do next? I think all of this is evolving always. I don't think this is a standing target. And so to be honest, the very initial next step would be, I think, have a go show up, have a go, see how it works, and then spend time with yourself to review it. Like I, I work with people, you know, I work with a therapist, I work with a team who we're constantly reflecting on what could be different, what could be better, what is working, what isn't working. And I think that would be the first thing, to be honest. I don't think you need to boil the ocean ongoing continually, but I would challenge anyone to kind of try some of these things and not see new doors opening and not see that actually these you know, different things. There are different opportunities, but keep coming back to yourself. Like that is the most important thing because you can get caught up in other people and all the different things that you're doing out in the world. And if you're not keeping checking in with yourself, I think it's really easy to get lost. Yeah. So, so pick one of the things that resonated with you in this conversation and just start somewhere. This is what I'm telling everyone. I've had a heck of a year. I broke my arm a year ago and I and the numbness never, uh, never went away from my left hand. And so I've lost my, my lifelong profession. Uh, I was a dentist for 30 years. Uh, my mother has passed away. My sister-in-law has passed away. A brother-in-law has passed away. I lost this cabin on the family farm to a horrible accident. It's been a heck of a year. And the one piece of advice I tell people is, well, there's two, is I didn't realize how much living a life for the last decade in this conspiracy of goodness world, looking for goodness, looking for people with insights that can help me be my best self. I didn't realize how valuable that would be till I hit this terrible year. And I've been, I've managed to keep smiling. So decide what you give your attention to would be my piece of advice. Find people like Helen, find groups like she's described that are out there that make you, send you soaring. And um, my second piece of advice is put one foot in front of the other every day. That's all you have to do. Doesn't have to be a leap, just one foot in front of the other. And these things that Helen's been talking about for the last hour will just become part of a richer life that that's available to you. Yeah, I love that. It doesn't even have to be one day at a time, it could be an hour at a time if you need that's it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Helen, I know people want to connect with you in lots of different ways. What What's the next step? Where do people find your work and all this, everything that we referred to and everything that Helen's going to say now is going to be in the show notes. How do people go further with you? So good question. Um, I would say you can check us out at conspiracyoflove.co if, if you're interested in what we do as a team. For me personally, check, I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm one of two Helen Trickies in the world. I would just Google me. The other one's in Australia. I don't know if she would enjoy the chat, but maybe. So yeah, just I would, I would just Google me. My information's pretty much everywhere online. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to say hello. <laughs> great, great, great. Well, thank you so much. Remember to check out the the Goodness Exchange. That's where you're going to find hundreds of other people, well, no, thousands of other people who are in this wave of goodness and progress that I'm I'm trying to elevate. And the number one thing you can do to make the world a better place in your own niche and the greater good is to support people like Helen who are putting fresh ideas out that are all about making the world a better place for everyone. So head over to the Goodness Exchange and join us there to get more connection to all this wonder and you will live with less fear and more joy. Thanks. Have a great week.